The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory to you. After Jesus had been born at Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, some wise men came to Jerusalem from the east. Where is the infant king of the Jews, they asked. We saw his star as it rose and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was perturbed. And so was the whole of Jerusalem. He called together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. At Bethlehem in Judea, they told him, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men to see him privately. He asked them the exact date on which the star had appeared and sent them on to Bethlehem. Go and find out all about the child, he said, and when you have found him, let me know so that I too may go and do him homage. Having listened to what the king had to say, they set out and there in front of them was the star they had seen rising. It went forward and halted over the place where the child was. The sight of the star filled them with delight. And going into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and falling to their knees, they did him homage. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod and return to their own country by a different way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So today, as we said, a beautiful season comes to a close. I mean, the mystery of Christmas goes with us, but the season now is uh, reached its climax, if you like, today. Today also, we might say, is the day where the light of Christ's birth has reached its full pitch. You know, think of the sun rising over the horizon and before the sun itself has risen you can see the light coming I mean anyone who's attentive can see where the sun's going to rise but eventually the sun reaches its full height its full kind of glory finally it's a day when perhaps an unexpected prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled I think anyone anywhere is familiar with those words and a virgin will conceive and be with child and and his name will be Emmanuel that's a very obvious messianic prophecy it's it's Unfortunately, we hear it so much that we probably yawn when we hear it nowadays, which is a tragedy. But the fact is, Isaiah is just oozing with, with details about the Messiah. Like, there's so many in there that the book itself is bursting at the seams. Scholars sometimes call Isaiah the fifth evangelist, because even though he lived some 750 years before Christ, it's as if he was standing there with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and watching the life of Christ. He describes it so vividly. It's, it's wonderful, vivid, vivid prophecy. Even though it's, uh, in, in, it's sort of couched in symbolic language, Isaiah is telling Israel and us, all the world, a very privileged glimpse at Jesus, who is God among us. I want to say I love the way that the Scriptures seem to blur the lines between God, God's people. Certain things, the way, the way that the Scriptures refer to it, it blurs lines which can be confusing, but, but it, it sort of 
captures the imagination in such a beautiful way. Just to pick up on a few, Isaiah is speaking, of course, of Israel. Israel is at once a person, Jacob, and a nation, a great nation, in fact, who's inherited this um, law and, and intimacy with God. It refers to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, of course, is a place. But the way that Isaiah describes Jerusalem is like a mother. You know, it's as if we're meant to find ourselves in the womb of this place. It says her walls are peace, her doors are salvation. It's, it's a living place. Isaiah talks about the Gentiles. That's us, unless there are any Jews among us. That's us. <laughs> um, we're the pagans who've been brought into the covenant. We're the ones who were outside and now are right in the center of it all. And finally, even though it doesn't name him, it speaks, I think we have to admit, very, very keenly about the person Jesus himself. It puts all the focus on him who is the light of the world. Now, I want to say this because today's feast is all about light. It's all about light dawning and breaking forth and, and casting out and scattering darkness wherever it goes. That's the mission of Jesus. But something happens in the interaction between the kings and, and the light, which is Jesus. It says here, if you heard that reading, Arise, shine out, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is rising on you. Though the night still covers the earth and darkness the peoples, above you the Lord now rises. Above you his glory appears. The nations come to your light. Kings are drawn to your brightness. And then it says, at, your, at this sight, you, that's us, will grow radiant. See, when we behold the light, we take on the light. We start to glisten with the one whom we adore. Jesus says it very plainly in the Gospels. He says, I am the light of the world. I came into the world and um, the people didn't accept me. They preferred darkness. But I am the light. Then later he says to his disciples, you're the light. So which one is it? Is it Jesus or is it us? Well, it's Jesus bringing us to himself. It's us in the person of Christ. In one of the church's main constitutional documents, the, the church's very identity is the lumen gentium, the light to the Gentiles, the light to the nations, the light which goes right to the end of the world and scatters all darkness. That's Jesus identifying us with himself. The light is us in his presence, in his embrace, sharing, if you like, his voice, his intentions, his mind, his heart, his power, so as to share in his mission. So finally then, I think it's time for us to make a gesture of our own towards this light, in the presence of this light. We hear the, the kings, they come from afar. They come having somehow seen the appearing of this light and they've gone to it and they've laid their gifts there, precious gifts, really the best gifts they could offer. Well, the fact is, that's all of us. And I mean that very literally. At your baptism, you were anointed priest, prophet, and king. There's a whole crowd of kings here. Did you know that? This is a royal family, a kingly people. I've said this so many times, there's no such thing in God's kingdom as like the rich class and then the paupers in the slum over there. No. Everyone is a firstborn heir. Everyone shares the royal dignity of the prince 
the King of Kings. That's us. So what gifts do humble us bring? Well, we bring something, hopefully, that we value. And I mean that in any sense of the word. I don't necessarily mean monetary gifts, but I mean it in any sense. We bring our talents. All of us have been gifted with various talents, aptitudes, interests, and I won't hear otherwise. You've been given gifts to share. You've been given gifts in this moment to lay at the feet of the child Jesus. We have our time, our talents, our treasure. Time, yeah, is a finite thing, but it somehow multiplies when we use it right. We've all experienced it. We have our presence. Gosh, this is an important gift. Your presence means more than you will ever know. If it didn't, Jesus wouldn't show his love by being present to us. That's his main gift. I am with you always. Presence. Lay that at the, foot of, at the feet of Jesus. Finally, to, to open our minds a little bit, I think when I hear the word treasures, we lay not just the things we hold as valuable, but I think the things we know God holds as valuable. You might remember that story of St. Lawrence, who was um, a treasurer of the early church, and he was obviously in charge of the funds. And when the church was being persecuted, the Roman uh, officer came to him and said, Lawrence, we're, we're taking our, <laughs> our, our claim. Give us the treasures of the church. Lawrence says, okay. And he goes away and he brings the, the poor and the crippled and the lame and the widows. And he says, here they are, the treasures of the church you asked for. They didn't like that, so they burnt him to death. But we bring also those who God treasures and we lay them at the feet of Jesus. And just think, they're scattered around the town. They're scattered around the country. We bring those things that we know in our own lives that we're able to offer. I think of Therese of Lisieux. You know, Therese was a saint who died young, but she knew great, great suffering in her life. And she was able, somehow by grace, to receive even that as gift. Well, if Jesus can give us little sufferings here and there, we can give them back to him. Lay your sufferings down as well. That's a good gift to lay down at the foot of the king. Finally, on a similar note, I mean, there's physical suffering, but then there's the suffering of being, I guess, dejected. A different Teresa, Mother Teresa, Teresa of Calcutta, she would often beg for the poor. And on one such occasion, she was begging, and she said, please, do you have anything that you can offer me? And the person spat in her face. And she said, thank you for that offering, for me. And now, do you have something for the children? Even the, the cruel words we've weathered, bring them as gift. Lay them at the foot of your king. We come here for a miracle to take place, that in his light, we would become light.